Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Welcome back to the show. Get ready for some awesome. Yeah. 2020. Yep, 2020, Jonathan. What uh, What is 2020 going to be for you? You have a, uh, uh, a resolution, a goal, uh, something to accomplish? It will be my first year in 11 years to not have to change a diaper. Wow. You don't, I mean, you don't know that yet, Jonathan. <laughs> That's you, true. You that don't could, know. That, <laughs> that could have some bad fortune, I guess. Yeah. After five or six kids, though, I think the gestation period just cuts like five or six months. So, I mean, you could easily <laughs> have a pregnancy or two still this year um, in your household. So, uh, okay. That's one thing for you. Good for you. Um, but uh, we, we've, we've missed you. It's been a, been a little while since you've been on the podcast. And uh, we hope this new year has gone well for you so far. Yeah, how about you? How's it? How's January been? All your resolutions going strong? Yeah, yeah I feel pretty good about them. Um, do you actually have resolutions this year besides uh, not helping your wife with the baby diapers? <laughs> no, we, to be fair, we're totally not going to have diapers. It's not that I, my resolution is to not help with the diapers. Oh, I misunderstood. I, I of, thought you just weren't yeah. going to be a, a supportive husband anymore. Okay, got it. <laughs> You know, my re- I actually didn't. I, I'm normally like a big Michael Hyatt uh, resolution and goals guy, and I have not done that this year because I still have my 2019 goals that are um, in process. Mm-hmm. So good for you. Yeah, they're still in process yeah. from 2019. Give us one of them. Uh, create three guiding coalitions at Pleasant Valley for the three different major initiatives huh. and so like i'm going to the alpha course next week um the alpha course usa training with some pv people to create a, a evangelism guiding coalition and um that, i mean anyway i'm not saying it's not a bad goal but it's just like not like a new year's resolution like i'm gonna watch 10 minutes less of tv this year like it's it's a different kind of resolution yeah. but good for you man i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it's different do you know anything about Alpha Course? Uh, no. Uh, I, here's the thing, though. I, I feel like I've always been an alpha male, so I didn't think a course was required. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> we have very different definitions of alpha male. <laughs> so uh, on the Jacob to Esau spectrum, you think you're Esau? The worst, Would you- uh, the worst part is... I have a big brother who's a uh, solid 30 pounds heavier than me. He is redheaded and he is dumber than me. So I do have a big, dumb, redheaded brother. <laughs> and like soup. And so it unfortunately makes me Jacob. Or uh, for you Marvel fans, it's like Loki to Thor. And I really, <laughs> I really hate uh, that. <laughs> You're Loki. You're I, totally that, Loki. That's who I, I don't like it at all. But I, I've been thinking about this. I've got a sermon about it in a couple of weeks. Um, it's hard for me to sidestep that comparison. Take it to the prodigal son story. You're the younger brother. Yeah, I like that one better. Um, yeah, but he's the older one outside the party. Yeah, no, it uh, it's not good for me. Um, nevertheless, we're, let's move on. Let's change subjects. I don't like where this is going at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm loving it actually. That's great. So you have you have no resolutions or? You- uh, I, I there's some things that I started recently that uh, I didn't really do in conjunction with. The New Year. I've never really been a New Year's kind of person, but I I started in uh, uh, for uh, for Evan actually uh, like a nightly gratitude 
journal kind of thing, and I've just kind of st- yeah, stuck with that. me too. That's been really really helpful. Uh, there's actually been what do you use? Uh, I, I use a very like old school small notepad. Just write five things down every night. Tell me more about that. Uh, it is not that complex. It's a I mean it's a pretty short sort of uh, you know five minute practice and. Uh, it's been very helpful for me. There's been times I found myself like going back and looking at, okay, the, these are things you're grateful for. Uh, live out of gratitude, not get discontent. And it, it's not like pages and pages of journaling like I've had uh, guests on the podcast say that I should do, but it's it's a very accessible, practical habit that's been very helpful for me. Dude, I'm doing the exact same thing. Nice. Uh, and I have been doing it since November. Um, well, I'm glad I could be an inspiration to you again. Yeah, no, that's that's not the direction I was headed, but... Part of being an alpha male is that you just encourage the others around you, whether you're an alpha male or an alpha betas. female. You could be an alpha female as well. Um, but it's great to see that the dividends are paying off in your life, and that's why I didn't need to go to the alpha course, but it's set an example for everyone else. So I'm, you're welcome for that. Thank you. Yeah, I guess that's all I have to say is thank you, and I'll, I'll write... About this in my journal I tonight. Do, I do have a... Pra- and this actually came from one of the podcasts. I literally had the idea while I was talking to John Eldridge. And I guess it's not really New Year's, but I don't, I don't remember when I recorded with him. But it's been basically since the beginning of the year. He has this thing about doing like a breath prayer. Uh, or, yeah, or like a minute a, off. Uh, yeah, the, the minute pause is what he actually calls it. And he like when you get to work, when you get home from work at 2 o'clock... And I didn't really like follow that specific prescription for it. But I'm a big to-do list kind of guy. And so I love having to-do lists all the time and even like Saturdays, which is probably not a good thing. Um, but I found myself every time I check something off, instead of just moving to the next thing to take however many breaths um, that item is down on my to-do list. So if it's like the seventh thing I do, like I pause for seven deep breaths and it's kind of like this constant refocus thing that I think Eldridge is uh, pointing to, which we'll get to, into later in the conversation, but that's been very helpful for me over the last couple of weeks to try that as well. Yeah, I've actually done that ever since I listened to the podcast, uh, probably three times a day, the the minute pause. Wow. Two so, things. Two I alpha know. things. You're welcome. Two alpha things. Yeah. yeah. We'll let yeah. the audience decide which one <laughs> which one is influencing well, who. Well, okay. Since I don't want to think that as an alpha male, I can't learn from you. But I have learned something from you that it came back to bite me and not... A, not a good thing that I learned from you. Uh, after the podcast with our friend James Martin, Father Jim, I was yeah. communicating with him uh, on social. And so it's like short back and forth, not like an email kind of thing. And I said, thanks, brother, to him. And then I was like, oh, no, I should have said, I mean, father, thanks, father. And uh, he said, you know, brother's fine. But I was like, thank you. Th- this is your fault, Jonathan. I refer You're to welcome. Priest as you are welcome. Instead of father, so... When Ian Cron came to Highland, uh, I called him Brother Ian, and he was, uh, you know, he he was very gracious and stuff. But he just—that's a different. I think it's like a um, official title of some kind, like a friar or something. Ah, uh, yeah. So he was confused, perplexed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. What? I, yeah, I could but you're see welcome. just pausing and be like, what, what, is, what is wrong with you? So, um, okay, <laughs> James Martin. Let's talk about that guy uh, for a second. Did you, did you watch The Irishman? 
Um, I watched the first 30 minutes of let me it, set, and then I realized... Let me pause. Let me pause. Do you guys have Netflix in Arkansas? I should have asked that first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, there's some guy in Georgia that streams it from his iPhone if you just tell him what you want, and you can he'll FaceTime you while you watch it. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. You're... So funny. Yes, we have Netflix, and I watched the first 30 minutes of The Irishman, and then I realized that uh, I could not watch that show while my kids were awake because <laughs> it uses a lot of F-bombs, and the, and we're, we only have one TV downstairs, and, and uh, it, they could hear it, so oh, yeah, is that's it good? Not, that's not a kid's show. You don't, don't watch it with the kids around. Uh, the movie's obviously yeah. uh, done quite well. Uh, it's a Scorsese film, so you would think it would be good. Uh, I feel I don't feel really good about this, but I'm going to be honest uh, for the sake of you know just being a transparent person. Uh, Lindsay and I watched the uh, documentary on cheerleading uh, called Cheer about Navarro College in Texas, and I f- yeah. found myself very engaged in that show to a degree in which uh, I I think I connected it to more of that one than I did The Irishman. And I don't feel real good about that, but it happened. So, uh, I did watch... Yeah, no, sure. Alpha male. Go ahead. (laughs) Hey, hey, those are some... (laughs) Did you see J.J. Watt's tweet on that? Those are some antiquated stereotypes about cheerleading, okay, Jonathan? And I feel like you need to (laughs) deal with what's in your heart that would make you say that. Uh, I actually retweeted... Hey, you know who was a cheerleader? What? You know who was a cheerleader? Uh, No, I don't know. Mike Washburn. Was he? Oh, there you go. Yeah, he was, and I think it was. Where did he go? Like Texas Tech? He or he seems like a red. red. Now, uh, Washburn was the uh, executive minister of the church that Jonathan and I both worked at when our friendship was birthed. So he was our. That's right. Yeah, yeah. in some ways he, he was our boss. He was like the dad of our friendship. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was. Okay, um, so the Irishman. You retweeted JJ Watts. Yeah, uh, his thing about. That was so great. His wife or his girlfriend said to watch it, and by the second episode, he's like, Jerry's heart and soul of the team. Yeah, I definitely retweeted because I completely yeah. agree with that. And Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was actually, the, the cheer competition was the same location in Daytona Beach that there was a youth ministry conference that I spoke at, and w- like when the, uh, like the last episode was there, I was like, Lindsay, I was there. I was there. I was there. And Lindsay's like, calm down, Luke. It's not that big a deal. I'm like, I know, but I was standing right there. Like, I feel like I'm connected anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, whatever. That's great. Okay. Um, Father, the Irishman. The Irishman. Uh, so if you didn't watch it, then you didn't have the shock that I did. But I was like, oh, that's that's friend of the show, James Martin, doing the baptizing. Um, so you missed out on that. Uh, okay. Uh, let me talk about one thing that he uh, he and I discussed. Uh, we talked about his uh, previous book, which is uh, Building a Bridge. Uh, it's conversation mm-hmm. about the LGBTQ community and uh, Catholic Church specifically, but I think it has uh, uh, legs that reaches even over to our side of the stream in the Protestant world, the evangelical world. Um, he made a comment about homophobia, and he said something, I think he even asked me directly, hey, how much homophobia do you think you've seen? Is this something that you're, you're used to? Maybe, or I even just volunteer that information and i said no i don't feel like i've seen that level of homophobia if uh if that question was posed to you and you were asked uh have you seen homophobia like this what what response would you have given jonathan i probably would have answered it the way you did something like yeah it's there but it's not that prevalent the same way 
that a lot of my white members in Little Rock would say, yeah, there's racism in pockets, but it's not that prevalent. You know, yep. and, and basically I would be giving a totally ignorant answer. Yep. Well, uh, thank you uh, for calling. Is that fair? No, I think in, in all seriousness, I feel like I gave that ignorant answer that um, with, uh, with a little bit of distance from the question and time to think it through in a way that obviously I did before I answered that kind of uh, off, the, uh, off the cuff response that I gave. Um, I see that my response about the lack of homophobia in the church is really more a statement about the willingness I am to take my experience as a straight man and universalize it. And if if it appears like nothing ever inconveniences me, then I'm going to assume that no one else has been um, mm-hmm. you know forced into a situation where they felt uh, uh, demeaned or disrespected, or uh, that it was okay to demean or disrespect other people. And it's yeah. So that's one of those questions that uh, I wish I could take back, uh, or excuse me, an answer I wish I could take back because I, uh, given a little bit more thought, I, I've realized that it, it's so easy to let my experience become the universal experience in my world. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Cause you, Westover is, uh, I mean, y'all are in Austin, Texas. You're squarely within churches of Christ. You're not. Um, and, and you would say if you could take that back, you would, how would you answer? Well, I would say that there is, there's not like the Westboro Baptist, you know, people holding up shirts. Sure, like right. That. Is that what you were trying to say to Jim Martin? I think that's the thing that's easiest to see, is you look at that yeah. and you go, well, you're not you're not Westboro Baptist, but that doesn't mean there aren't still people who, you know, make comments. Um, like, uh, you know, uh, someone saying a gay Christian and then putting quotations around it, as though insinuating that someone can't really be a Christian and be gay. Like, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff... Uh, would you call that homophobic? Because I, I feel like it. Well, fear. So homophobic it, it, words mean something. Homophobia means fear of gay people or gayness um, or gay culture, right? Mm. So uh, maybe like I I don't know how much. Sometimes it. The, okay, so here's the here's the conversation that I think I would love to have on your podcast or a podcast because it seems like there's several different layers to this and one is you know you, you said the Westboro Baptist Church we're recording this on the Wednesday after Martin Luther King Jr. Day so everybody's seen and heard a lot of quotes from Dr. King I assume and one of those that you saw was letters from a Birmingham jail and it, it's not the KKK that yep. is the most disturbing it's the white moderates who you know, claim to be allies, but are not. And I think in any kind of social, you know, conversation, there is a level of the extreme people are the ones that everybody pay attention to. Yep. And the people who settle for status quo or just want to bury their heads in the sand are maybe the most hurtful to the people who are looking for you know, compassionate responses. That's it, is, that's fair. Is that fair? No, I, I think yeah. that comparison is pretty solid. It's it, it's easy to look at the but, b- big ones. I, I also like your 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 use of the word homophobia 
is if we're going to define it as like a fear of this group of people. The, mm-hmm. So here's here's the level of conversation that I feel like doesn't happen happen very often. And I think your podcast, you're actually kind of postured. Our movement is kind of postured to be in our better in our better parts the unity movement, which uh, is to say, I'm not going to let anything that's not centered in Jesus keep me from um, fellowshipping you, even if I have dramatic, serious issues that I disagree with you over. Uh, I think that's the the origin of our movement, and I'm I'm firmly committed to that. I think the hundred last hundred years of uh, fundamentalism versus liberalism and politics, you know, and all that stuff has really screwed up the Christian tradition in America. And I, I like the restoration movement because we were trying to not do that 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a great example of that. But having said that, I think Unity movements can have different kinds of conversations because you're committed at the end of the day when the smoke clears to not saying, well, have fun in hell. Um, You know, you're committed to loving this person, even though you think they could be, you know, very wrong on substantial things. If we if we had that foundation. If, if it wasn't just an ideal that the founders of the restoration movement had, but there's an understanding that, you know, we have one thing that is front and center, that Jesus is Lord, uh, that he is the resurrected Lord, and everything else is secondary. I think we could have more of those conversations, but it seems like we're not always able to, to live into that. So, yeah, we're not always able to live into it, because that sounds really good until it's my thing. But as you know, this actually is my thing. I care deeply about this, and but yet I'm I'm not open and affirming, but I am committed to being open and affirming of people who are open and affirming. Um, gosh, I probably shouldn't have even just said that, but you know what? I I actually mean it. I mean I mean like I think this is the kind of church movement Jesus started, and I have fundamental disagreements. I read the Bible in a, a way that is. Um, probably more traditional when it comes to human sexuality, but I I have uh, people that I would consider my brothers and sisters who I won't write off who disagree with me on this. Yep. And anyway. And, and that's the offensiveness of the, the comment about someone uh, putting a, you know, quotation marks around gay Christian as if someone can't be open and affirming and still being a Christian, like that, those things are mutually exclusive. And I think that is when people ne- don't live into what it means to be a, a part of the restoration movement, or more importantly, being, a, you know, a Christian. I think that's part of, uh, you know, Christian charity that we're all supposed to share is that we have first things in common, and then after that, there's room for disagreement and, and differences, even on things that we care deeply about. But so. I think the original impulse of our movement was doing this exact thing. And back in the day, 200 years ago, it, it drew tons of people because they were actually doing it. And today, it's the very same kinds of schisms. Like in the Methodist Church, it's happening right now over this particular issue. Yeah. And there's going to be whatever they call, you know, traditional Methodist versus, you know, um, yeah. I- and... and um, that was happening 250 years ago over issues that people cared about just as much as this. Yeah. Uh, and Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell are like, you know what? We're going to 
agree to disagree on everything but these fundamental th- truths about Jesus. Yeah. And um, yeah, there, there's a that still inspires me. Th- there's a common on misconception that you know we once we get through this issue then we're going to be done whatever this issue is but every issue that the church has gone through at that time they they felt like it was the biggest thing in the world and right right now it's you know gender sexuality you know politics whatever that appears to be that but there's always going to be another one and when we understand that then we can put everything in the rightful perspective in which once you have the the commonality that you find in the waters of baptism then everything else has have a have has the space and the air to breathe so that you can have you know a thoughtful charitable uh, you know conversation even when there's differences. But unfortunately, we live in such a polarized world that we just want to you know jump to whatever camp we're in. And we see this on uh, social media. We I talked with uh, Father Jim about um, the the Pope slap incident, and mm-hmm. if you go online, you see people talking about it. It's clear that they took a snapshot, which doesn't really say anything other than this is exactly how one person immediately responded to someone you know grabbing and yanking their arm which you, you can't read anything into that like that's such a <laughs> minute interaction but people want yeah. to assume whatever preconceived narrative they have about it it's like the um, houston astros are you familiar with the cheating scandal oh. <laughs> like if i see someone yeah. on my timeline that is an astros fan whatever they tweet i know exactly what they're going to say like they're going to say well you know it's not a big deal or whoever and if someone hates the astros or is not an Astros fan, the response is going to be the exact opposite. It's not that we're listening to different narratives. We're just perpetuating what we already think. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. One of the things I appreciated that Jim Martin said, I've used it a few times the last couple of weeks, was he said, preachers and popes are like uh, um, projection screens. They just pr- People are just projecting the stuff that's going on inside of them. And it dawned on me, like, man, that's so true. Mm-hmm. That, um, that was a great insight. Um, right? I said it, not him, but that's cool. Uh, we'll just, doesn't matter who said it first. No, that's probably why I thought he said it, because of it being a good insight. It was It was an, initially from Shane Hips. That's where that actually came from. There it is. Okay. But, you know, whatever. Okay. Projected. All- so here's what I was going to say about the LGBT thing, uh, just to circle back to that real quick. Um I was when I was listening to that podcast. I was sorry. CAC is getting Central Arkansas Christian kids are getting out in my office. Do you guys just have every, one big office that you put all the kids and the adults in? <laughs> it's basically a barn. Or, do you work in a barn, Jonathan? <laughs> they just wake up from nap time over there. All right, guys, let's go feed the pigs. Take care of the hogs. <laughs> You're good. That was good. That was real good. Um, okay, <laughs> smart Alec. So I was gonna say that um, I would I would like to, the conversation that I don't feel like happens often is people um, who will say those people are homophobic and I'm getting all this vitriol and hatred, which is totally true. I know that's totally true. But I would like to hear like a Father Martin talk with a Wesley Hill and just kind of hear how that works because I think people like a Wesley Hill get maybe caught in the crossfire and overlooked. Why don't you give a brief definition of who this gentleman is? So Wesley Hill is a gay Christian who is um, committed to celibacy. Okay. He is... Um, totally, you know, 
sold out on the way of Jesus. Uh, and for him, that looks like he thinks, you know, there's no reparation therapy that is going to make it to where he is sexually attracted to women. Um, so what he he is committed with his life, because he, he thinks the Bible is calling him to um, sexual fidelity through celibacy. So he is committed to um, being celibate his whole life. And he's written some books on spiritual friendship ways to make sure that um, gay men and women who are followers of Jesus and feel called to celibacy can have uh, intimacy in in the form of friendship. Because the Catholic Church teaching is actually that um, uh, the same-sex attraction is a distortion of friendship. And you can disagree with that or not, but so Wesley Hill is trying to say what is underneath all desires uh, is is a desire for intimacy, and there are ways of intimacy and friendship that can help uh, lighten the burden on gay men and women, so that they don't have to live life alone. And anyway, I I just think of uh, that kind of conversation between him and Father Martin would be helpful or you know like someone that we both love like Richard Beck um and uh Caleb Kaltenbach yeah 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 you know like talking through that with them because here's here's the difference between neither none of the people that I just mentioned are homophobic you know Caleb's parents were both gay he is a evangelical christian church pastor who is trying to help thread the needle and make um, evangelical churches help them learn how to welcome mm-hmm. people like his parents in. Um, those are the kind of conversations, because I feel like if you just take your talking points from the cultural narrative, it's all a binary thing. Yeah. You know, that's how that's how like news makes stories move off the news shelf. Is you got your good guys, you got your bad guys, or you got the people in this one camp, and then people in this other camp, and I just feel like those two camps aren't representative of a broad swath of people in the Christian tradition, and and a lot in our churches, or even more concerning, maybe they're because that story is so prevalent, it's making our churches feel like they have to fall into one of those two camps. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean that's. That's our partisan stuff. That there's no there's no room for other opinions. That's yeah. That's our that's the world we live in. And hopefully the church can be uh, a witness to something different. And that's I mean that's that, I mean that's part of what I want to do on the podcast is create a platform where you can have people from uh, divergent perspectives that we can all listen and learn from and we can have conversations with. Because I think if we can't if we can't even have conversations, then how are we going to live into like this robust picture of what community is supposed to be? Because the church is not supposed to be the type of community that you find every other place. It's not because there's a commonality in you know, political perspectives or view on sexuality. It's because you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's supposed to supersede every other commitment. And if it's simply a group of people that are homogenous on everything, then I think it uh, you know, doesn't live into Jesus' prayer in John 17 about Unity. I mean, Jesus' last prayer for those who would believe is that they would be one, just as the Father and I are one. And that's, you know, that's not going to happen in the way that we currently are discipled by our partisan world. 
just doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, I think we got to get something deeper than that. Yeah. I think the church could be where that happens. Yep. But it, it's too often a kind of mirror of what is Dr. King's thing. It's a thermometer, not a thermostat. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Speaking of being a place where you can have different kind of conversations, John Eldridge, huh? Yeah, well, Johnny E, like I call him. Um, yeah, are you? I guess it, you were familiar with uh, John Eldridge, his work. Uh, alpha, all alpha males are familiar with John Eldridge. I, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's fitting that John and I were talking because uh, I, I think what John Eldridge <laughs> is saying is that to be a man is you have to be like Rambo and. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to be an alpha male is pretty much just assumed. Like that's that's the way it goes. Uh, if you're not killing things and watching football, then why do you even live? I guess isn't that wasn't that as wild at heart? That's the takeaway. That's the wild at heart. Yeah. Hey, five, honest question. Five years ago, could you have seen yourself no. having that podcast? No. I don't even know if I read the whole book, uh, Wild at Heart. I don't. You didn't read Wild at Heart. I feel like I did, but I think it came out during my grad school years and mm. you know he uh what did you say what was the comparison you texted me of who john he's Eldridge the evangelicals ian cron yeah which evangelical ian cron which is exactly right but he would have been too evangelical for me when that first came out and i wouldn't have had the ability to discern hey there's some things that we're going to read differently but i still have a lot that i can learn from him from mm-hmm. and I, I know there's a stereotype about uh, he creates this narrative that women need to be rescued and that men, you know, the the, you know, the, the exaggerated uh, picture I just described earlier that that somehow represents his view on masculinity. Honestly, I, I haven't read it enough of his recently to really make an educated opinion on how accurate that is to his work, though. Could you have so read it? So I remember, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, wait, five years ago? Yeah, five or ten years ago. No, I would say... When I was in college, I loved Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is men who are alive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I loved it in college. And then when I was in grad school, I was very much like, oh my goodness, that is so stereotypical. In fact, Richard Beck, you've heard his thing on this, right? No, I haven't. or I don't remember it. On education, he oh, said yeah, yeah, yeah. at Highland, he could he can figure out whether somebody had a master's degree or not just by asking, "Have you read Wild at Heart? What'd you think of it?" <laughs> I thought it was going to be his NASCAR thing. Um, it's it's in that same blog, I think. NASCAR versus poetry, the Wild at Heart. Yeah, if you have a master's degree, there's, right. there's no way that. Yeah, that makes sense. So I I actually when I saw that you were doing that podcast, I was pleasantly surprised because I thought, and you know, kind of what I was talking about earlier, I, you're getting outside of, you know, you're not preaching to the choir and you're also, you know, willing to talk to people who are different. But I was blown away by that podcast. Like, I, I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he would sound like, I don't know, Bear Grizzly or something. <laughs> Bear Grylls, um, yeah. Bear, Bear, yeah, yeah, sorry. He, he did Grylls. have like a North Face like a North Face vest on and, uh, you know, long-haired slick back. I mean, so he was playing the Colorado part pretty well uh, in his visual. But uh, I thought your Ian Cron, like the evangelical Ian Cron, very spot on. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's one of the 
I think this happened maybe twice where he wanted to pray before we started the podcast, which I thought, like, that's a sweet thing to do beforehand. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he had really great, uh, great insights and his stuff about technology and, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. pausing. I mean, I think he's, he has some wisdom there. It's some good stuff. Yeah. Oh, there was a lot of wisdom there. I, I do think one of the, one of the things, just listen to him. You know, he said, I tried to undermine that, not calling every man to be a Rambo. and But that was still what I got. I took away, and, and I, I will tell you this. I have, in 15 years of ministry, loaned out Wild at Heart three times. And two times were my first year when I was a college minister to young guys who needed, like, they were feeling lost. And the third time was last month. Hmm. And I won't get into it all, but it was just a pastoral situation where a man in middle age life, and the the guy doesn't have, you know, um, he doesn't have a master's degree. And the stuff that he needed was stuff that needed to kind of challenge him. And it was, I, I, I thought it was a, maybe a helpful tool, but I had to blow the dust off that thing. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because I guess I would like to know from more progressive brothers and sisters, would you rather me hand that book to somebody or Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life? Hmm. What, what you, you, know, you know what I'm asking there? Because, yeah, well, I don't know exactly. What you, it seems like what you're saying is that there is something, there is some sort of like proverbial wisdom that is a, uh, is a place for someone to latch onto, that they can start with, that this is something that, that they can connect to in a way that, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that is uh, far more nuanced and uh, layered might be off-putting to them. Fair? Right. Yeah, I do. I think, I think that's right. J- Richard's point in that uh, blog series he did again is the higher you go in education, the more narrow the distinctions are between the genders. And so the conversely, the lower education level, the broader the differences, you yeah. know, like uh, the more people tend to fall into stereotypical, you know, and yeah, that's cultural, but every culture tends to do it. Um, and um, yeah. being able to I feel like maybe John Eldridge's great sin was to speak directly to more uneducated men. Hmm. Interesting. Well, one of the things I think he speaks to uh, in this new book is to, you know, an issue that everyone is trying to wrestle with that is, you know, new in the sense that it's, you know, a decade or two old is the effect that, you know, technology has had on us. And Eldridge talks about his own experience and the idea of, our life has been uh, taken from something that was promised to be, you know, a slave to us or, or a servant to us, and in, in turn, it has turned us into slaves to it. Like the idea mm-hmm. that technology is going to give us more time, and you know, all the way back to dishwashers. Like, you know, we're going to have dishwashers and laundry machines. So, what are you going to do with all the free time you have? Well, no, like it's just sucked up all the free time we have, and now we always feel like we're working or always feel like we're having to stare at some shiny screen. And I know for you, you've been very diligent in a way that's quite annoying to some of your friends, specifically me, 
about staying away from your phone for a, a literal Sabbath every you know Thursday night through Friday. Um, yeah, obviously there are exceptions, but y- how long have you been doing that now, Jonathan? Oh, since two thousand nine, maybe. Wow. So eleven years of this, and you know, this is one of the things that Eldridge is talking about. Like, we we need to get away. We need to create boundaries and, and take care of ourselves. As someone who's been doing this for over a decade, what's been your experience as to how it's affected you personally, your own like sense of like awareness and presence uh, in the actual moment, along with the effect it's had on your your family, all thirty two of them. <laughs> Well, that's part of the reason we have 32 of them. Oh, gross. <laughs> gross. <laughs> you got to do something when you're not staring at a screen, well, right? Okay. So Fast forward. Uh, yeah. Um, no. <laughs> I, I I love it. It's. I feel like I've said this on here before. It makes every Thursday night when the phone gets turned off... I feel lighter almost immediately. I feel a little anxiety um, right before, you know, okay, have I done this and this and this? Um, And I found out later Jewish people do too. You know, there's a lot of hurrying to get to where you can celebrate Shabbat that they have to make preparations for and stuff. But you, you, because there's certain stuff, the world keeps on going, and mine's a weird day because it's not like you live in a world where it's Friday, so a lot of people are working, and you know, there's all this like ex- worry about I'm going to disappoint or make people angry because they're going to text and think I'm just ignoring them. So I try to be public about it. my first Sunday at PV. I said it in my sermon, you know, like hey, just want to let you know. I think I did my first Sunday at Highland too, but. But um, at Highland, you didn't have to explain what a phone was. <laughs> you, sir, were once an Arkansan. You were once one of us. Uh, so when you say that, though, was there a different response from Highland in Pleasant Valley and uh, the Little Rock area? Um, I'm trying to... No, I don't think so. I think there might have... By the time I was doing it at P, because you know you're in your your honeymoon phase, your first few months at a church, and so everybody's might think, well, that's weird. Um, The real question is, are you going to show up in the hospital if I'm in the hospital on a Friday or something like that? Uh, Who cares about your phone? And we've we've gone to the hospital on Fridays. I don't know four or five times, but we go as a whole family. So. and you know my phone's not on me, um, and I, you know that that's that's not normal, but that is something that we do from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, you feel lighter, you feel a lot more joy. I almost never have Fridays where I experience anxiety if I have followed my kind of discipline. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Because. There's been a few. There's been a few um, times where stuff has come to me, like people knock on my door because there was a something that needs, you know, my attention or whatever. But for the most part, um, you know, I've had friends and even family members die on a Friday and not know about it till Saturday, so that's sad. But again, 
you know, but you, what could I have done? But that didn't change what you're doing. Even having loved ones pass away on a Friday didn't make you think, hey, maybe I should reassess what I'm doing? No, it, it didn't because the payoff is so much better. I mean, again, that was that's a very rare thing. And it was like an uncle who died, and I was going to be able to go to the funeral. And, you know, the only thing uh, was I, I didn't do the funeral because I didn't have my phone on. Mm-hmm. Um, so missing that, you know, yeah. that. Yeah, and but it's either it's like everything's a trade off. Do you want to miss that, or do you want to miss your kids growing up? Yeah, yeah. and um, I would say I've told this to a lot of people. 2019 was the best year of my life, and I think a lot of it has to do with what John Eldridge was getting at with connecting with nature. Um, you know, I've been outdoors the last. 12 months more than I have at any other point in my life. And you, you made some solid burns on Abilene. Leslie and I and the kids, we were, when we lived in Abilene, we were, con- we would walk around outside and, yeah. you know, there's not, we lived in the area of Abilene where the trees were. <laughs> so we got to see when fall came, the leaf would change color. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's special. Yeah. Now that's, um, there's, I, I do think he's right that, there's something about being outside. There's something about when the majority of your life is lived inside that it does something to you. Now, um, this time of year in Austin, cedar is pretty high, and so you know pollen or you <laughs> yeah. know cedar is a way of destroying yeah. the best time of year in terms of weather for Austin. But you know, besides that, um, there's a lot to to gain from that. And e- I said this on the podcast, but even just taking a little walk with my dog, it is it is very therapeutic because you're not staring at your phone. You're you know, like you're in your body and you're physically present to left foot, right foot, left, even if you're not thinking about it, like you uh-huh. literally are doing something instead of this sort of like weird uh, existence of just like looking at a tiny screen and typing. Anyway. Um, and, and you know, your th- y'all's thing about nature even, nature is a way of making yourself uh, feel appropriately small. Yeah. So when thunderstorms happen and ice storms and you have to – and you're like, man, this is so inconvenient. Instead of looking at it as an inconvenience, you can realize it's actually something that can heal your soul. Mm-hmm. Like, you are not a master of any universe. Yeah. Your iPhone is lying to you. You know, it, it's like awakening you to the deeper kinds of reality of, you know. Wow, that's a great insight. Your phone lies to you. Nature tells you the truth. Yeah. The f- what was his thing on your your? There was a great line he had on on uh, your heart. You will you will treat people the way you tend to your own heart, or something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, what is it? Let me think about it. Um, how you? Mm, someone tweeted this. Uh, yeah, Annie tweeted this out. Let me look this up. She said, um, her, "What was her quote?" This is terrible podcasting as I'm just waiting. Um, I can't find it now. But uh, her, his point was, oh, here it is. The way you treat your own heart is the way you treat everyone else's heart too. Yeah. If you're not taking care of I yourself, think- you're not giving yourself space. If you're not being gentle, you're not being kind to yourself, you're not going to be kind to other people. It's I, That does not sound like what I expected the wild at heart guy to say. No, no. Um, uh, it, well, the stereotype that I gave at the beginning for sure didn't fit that at all. Um, you know, maybe if I'd read more of his work, I would see that's consistent with what he's been doing. But what I did find it was very uh, helpful, very enlightening. And 
I just it made me think I misread John Eldridge. Well, it, that know? should be a reminder that we can all misread everyone. And yeah, again, if the podcast is trying to do anything, is that we can see glimmers of light in in everyone if we look hard enough. But uh, Eldridge didn't require much of uh, squinting to see that. I think there's a lot of wisdom and insight he gave. Definitely love to have him on yeah, the podcast. Sure. Was um, was a really good one. Uh, well, Jonathan, um, you want to hear something that broke my heart? This is Christmas Eve. Uh, speaking okay. of the podcast, I uh, I don't know why, but I was uh, checking my email, and for some reason, I looked in my junk email uh, folder, which I never do. Do you ever do that, Jonathan? Sure, like once a month. Yeah, see, I, I don't remember the last time I did that. And I went back a few weeks before, and in my junk email folder was an email I never respond to uh, from uh, my friends who were uh, giving me a couple dates to do the uh, Good Neighbor, the uh, Tom Hanks movie podcast with the uh, um, Oh man. And I didn't see it for a couple weeks and I just missed it and I was like, you know what? I am very upset about this because that, I thought I like, because I said I couldn't do a Friday because you know I was trying to do my Sabbath thing and then they said we'll get back to the other dates. Never heard back from them because somehow the email ended up in a junk folder. So... Merry Christmas. Who would that podcast have been with? The Did you see the movie? Yes, I love the, that movie. The actual journalist who um uh the guy from the American really? spot, yeah, like the uh he was uh, Esquire guy. Yeah, Esquire. I think he's a, he's a senior editor at ESPN right now. But uh he was Esquire then. Did you read that actual article? I probably read I watched the movie. I think I read part of it um uh, it's about the boy with cerebral palsy? No, I don't know if I remember it. Oh, my goodness. It is. I've used it in sermons for, I don't know, 10 years. Really? But, oh, it is so warm and wonderful. He just, uh, it, it talks, it, it, what he does is he just takes the life of this little boy with cerebral palsy who was, had suicidal tendencies and just kind of chronicles how Mr. Rogers, oh my gosh, I'm tearing up just talking about it, um, how Mr. Rogers was able to, his will you pray for me line to that little boy with cerebral palsy changed his life. And then if you go to, if you just Google Mr. Rogers' um, acceptance speech of that some award, Lifetime Achievement Award, um the little boy is now a man with cerebral palsy, and he's up there, and Mr. Rogers breaks down crying. Mm. Yeah, it's so, so wonderful. Like, that that article was great, and seeing the backstory in that movie about how this jaded journalist was the one who wrote it, and he was originally looking for the holes. Um, it was just... A fantastic movie. Man, I feel so much better about missing that podcast after hearing that from you. So thank you for uh, cheering me up in your own little Mr. Rogers way. So thank you for that, Jonathan. And uh, and with that... Glad to help. We'll say thank you for being on the podcast again, Johnny. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>